God is our refuge and strength. And then the phrase, an ever-present help in trouble. I want you to think of it like ballast for your boat. Do you know what ballast is in a boat? It's like the density of weight in the hull of a boat that's distributed properly, and it provides a boat with the proper balance and stability when it's on the water. If you don't have proper ballast in the hull of your boat, do you know what happens when you head out into the waters? Your boat will most likely capsize. It will literally flip over. Ballast is especially critical when you hit those times where the wind and the waves grow large. You're really going to need to have significant ballast. You're going to be glad your boat has good ballast in its core. And the ballast in our boat is important and necessary. Verse 1 is our ballast because verse 2 and 3 is our reality. Because look at verse 2 and 3. Look what the psalmist says now. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. You see all that language? That, the reason ballast of verse 1 is so important is because the realities of verse 2 and 3. Because real life is waters roaring, foaming, mountains quaking, earth giving way. For some of you, that's a fair commentary on 2017. And the necessity of ballast in our boat is what? Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Have you ever thought about the only way to experience God as your refuge and your strength is when you're going through the kind of stuff that you have no idea how you're going to get through whatever it is you're going through? When you're in the middle of so many circumstances, kind of at the end of yourself, do you know where you experience God as your ever-present help in trouble? When you're, in the, when you're neck deep in trouble. In other words, you can't experience verse 1 without the realities of verse 2 and 3. And the imagery throughout the Old Testament of waters roaring and waves crashing in and foaming. You ever been around waters that are foaming? You have to get to... Way past Eagle Creek style waters, you've got to get in some large body of water and have the waves mount up in such a way where the white foam spreads out. That's some crashing waves there. And the psalmist says, yeah, yeah, that's real life. Real life is when there's things giving way, when mountains are quaking, waters are surging. That's real life. And when you hit that, you need some ballast in your boat. And the psalmist says, here's your ballast. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I sent out an email on Friday regarding Shabon White. Do you have a picture of Shabon? Shabon has worshipped here off and on for years He's 42 years old. He went to work on Thursday. He works at Bill Estes Chevrolet there in Michigan Road in the service department. He went to work on Thursday, came home Thursday at the end of the work day and just told his mom, Linda, that he just wasn't feeling very well and he wanted to go lay down. He took a few steps towards the bedroom to lay down and he collapsed. And then they placed him on life support and he took his last breath a little after noon yesterday. 12.06 was the text I got. 
He had a massive aneurysm on the brain stem. And the doctor said, you know, basically once the aneurysm occurred, for all effective purposes, Shaban's physical life here was over. They kept him on life support for a period of time to allow his eight-year-old son, Isaiah, his mom, Linda, and other friends and family to gather and have attempt to have some type of closure and some closing words together. Because for all effective purposes, I mean, Shaban being 42 years old and being what most thought was just kind of a normal, healthy guy, uh, going through life, working and caring for family, and then to go from that to this. Linda, his mother, Shabon said goodbye to his father in January, so Linda has lost in the last 11 months her husband of over 40 years and now her son. So for the White family, uh, this is a time for us as a body to certainly pray, to lift up Linda, their eight-year-old, his eight-year-old son, Isaiah. And most of you would have known Shabon connected to Melinda Ross and family, so you, you obviously know the Ross family, longtime Eagle folks here. So Melinda and Shabon used to be married, and so that may be a connection for you to understand, oh, that's how I know Shabon. And so we need to pray for the Ross family as well. The Ross kids are having an especially difficult time journeying through this. And so um, this is a Psalm 46. This is a, you know, ballast in your boat. Uh, thankfully, a very God-fearing family, uh, Linda White. Um, she loves the Lord, and this is a time she's going to experience verse 1. God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble because verse 2 and 3 have unfolded at the end of 2017 in ways that she could have never imagined. And so let's pray together for them as we just take a moment for Selah collectively together. Jesus, we just unite our hearts right now and uh, we think of Linda, we think of little Isaiah, we think of the rest of the family and friends who are gathering and grieving I imagine just simply trying to process all that's occurred in the last 48 hours. And so we just stand together on Psalm 46.1 right now. We just call upon you, the great God of heaven and earth, to be an ever-present help to them in ways that perhaps no humans could be right now, that you would be. There would be an Emmanuel God with them experience, that you would be a refuge and a strength. Um, and we especially think of little Isaiah and his eight-year-old ways. Would you just give a special grace to him and surround him with what he needs during not only today, but the weeks, months, and years ahead for him. And so may the White family know that there are literally hundreds of people right now praying and asking you to come through for them and provide for them and care for them and comfort them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a Selah point for us now in the service, and we're going to do this a couple of more times. So the team's going to lead us through a song to help pause and reflect on the words that we just, just kind of talked about. Just verse 1 to 3. And then internalize. Just say, God, what is it you want me to internalize through this? Perhaps for you, you step into this day in 2017 and earth has been giving way all around you through this year. Waters have been surging and foaming. Mountains have been quaking. And perhaps the internalization now is God. 
Be my refuge. Be my strength. Be my ever-present help in this time of great need. Selah. That puts a name to the ballast in our boats, amen? That's the true ballast right there. We pick it up in verse four. After this Selah, you continue to the next Selah point. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, the imagery through this section of the psalm is tied to the city, the literal city of Jerusalem. That's the language of the city it's speaking about there. And in visiting it this past summer, I got a visual taste of, I think, what the psalmist was referring to. Jerusalem is in the center of a massive desert. And the only explanation for the fruitfulness of the city and the vegetation and the greenery and just uh, how it's so distinctively different than the rest of the landscape around it, the, the explanation is what the psalmist is bringing up. There is a river flowing into this city that makes glad the land and its crops and its fruit. And it reminded me in John 7, I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he gathered with the Feast of Tabernacles in John 7 and they had a water procession. And the water procession on the last day of the feast, it was done seven times. So at the end of a sevenfold water procession, here's what Jesus stood up in the center of the temple area in Jerusalem and said. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. So that's John 7, 37 to 39. So I think the connection here in the psalm is, is tied to the role of the Holy Spirit. So what the literal river was to the city of Jerusalem, that's what the Holy Spirit is to any of us who follow Jesus. He's that, he's that stream of living water that brings nourishment and replenishment and, re and refreshment to the inmost place, often in those contact points of dry ground, wilderness ground, desert-like places. It's the Holy Spirit who comes in there and replenishes and refreshes and renews. And so part of this rhythm of the Selah is kind of standing in the middle of the stream of the Holy Spirit and letting him bring whatever he wants to bring to us. And that's where the psalmist goes on to say things like, well, God is within her and she will not fall, speaking about the city. How does God help us? How is God within us? Indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Who sustains us to keep us going when we feel like we're gonna fall? Holy Spirit. Who will help at the break of day after day? Who's gonna be your help? Holy Spirit. So it's that picture of the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. And then the verse seven, I think, really amplifies that the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I thought about what Romans eight said. Romans eight said, if God is for you, if God is with you, who can stand against you? 
And the psalmist is using that same kind of language, that God plus anybody is a majority. That's the, that's the new math of grace. That's the new math of the Holy Spirit. God plus anybody is a majority. If God is with you, you will be able to stand. Mountains might quake, waters might surge, but God is going to be the ballast in your boat. The boat might rock pretty severely, but by God's grace, it is not completely gonna capsize. He will sustain you. He will be your strength. He will be your refuge. He'll be your ever-present help. Notice not exemption from any of these experiences, but his presence with us in the middle of them. That's really what the Christian life is about. You know, Jesus with us in real life, and Psalm 46 is the language of real life. And so in this section of the, of the service, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our Selah pause point and we're gonna participate in an act, a sacred act the church has for centuries, the act of communion. And we're gonna go to the communion tables under this banner of what is it, what is it you feel like Jesus is wanting you to receive today based on what he's purchased for you, a gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the posture to come to the table with is the posture of a receiver. You receive his love, you receive his grace, you receive the replenishment and refreshment, you receive the joy of the Holy Spirit. You can't achieve those things. Perhaps you wrap up 2017 and joy is not something you're tasting and experiencing a lot of. You know, that's not something you can manufacture in life. True joy in the inmost place is received. And Jesus may want to impart through the Spirit joy in the midst of whatever you're in the middle of. And so you come to the tables with kind of hands open, heart open, and say, Jesus, I'm here to receive. Receive from you. That you are with me, that you'll be my refuge, you'll be my fortress. That God, you with me, can stand against anything. We have an open communion table here. You don't have to be a member of Eagle to participate. Though the scriptures are clear, you do need to be a follower of Jesus. You need to have placed your faith and trust in him. The broken body is represented by the bread. We do have gluten-free at both tables, kind of the center point. There's some crackers in there that are gluten-free. Um, but if you don't need that, the bread is there for you to tear off the piece, and then you dip it into the juice, which represents his shed blood. And the way we do it here at Eagle is in just a moment I'll pray, and then you'll just be dismissed. You can go to the tables. You can spread out around the room as much as you like, and then the team's gonna lead us through a song to help magnify this as a point of pause. Let's think about the words we just read and heard. Let's reflect and let's internalize in this particular posture. Let's receive from Jesus whatever it is he wants to give us today at this table. And then this space up here at the front is available to you. Um, if you'd like to come and be prayed for and prayed with, that's this space here. And perhaps you come with some physical needs and you wanna be anointed with oil and prayed over, we're glad to do that. We believe God still heals today. Maybe it's some emotional, relational needs. Whatever it is you're carrying, you can be prayed for and prayed with and you can just come up here on either side and kneel and pray and we'll be glad to gather around you to do that as we go to the tables. So let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us as we take this Selah point at the communion table. Jesus, thank you for your broken body and shed blood. Thank you for what this table represents. You told us to do this in remembrance of you, and so we do that. We pause, we reflect, and we literally now are going to internalize 
internalize the broken body and the shed blood. And knowing that you're a good God, and by the Holy Spirit, would you impart to each one of us the good gifts of grace that you want to give us as we come in the posture of receiving. Pour out your spirit on our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse eight. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Plenty of imagery there. We don't lack for global examples of wars, breaking bows, shattering spears, and burning shields. Uh, This is good fuel for how to pray for what's going on in Iran, what's going on in North Korea, what's going on in Afghanistan, all throughout Africa. Uh, This is fuel for how the people of God can pray for God to step in and intervene in such a way and bring resolution that no strength of man could bring. So on a global scale, that's certainly an application for us in this Selah moment. And then perhaps on a personal scale, you know, that's, that's not bad imagery for some of the kind of internal civil wars that can go on in our lives, right? We can have plenty of internal battles. Maybe you come through a year where the very good you want to do, you haven't been able to maybe practically do what Paul says in Romans 7. That's like his language for an internal civil war. You so long to finish the sentence, but you actually finish the sentence. Or maybe it's been a kind of a a year of relational war type stuff where there's hurt, There's pain, there might be regret-filled words, there might be all kinds of heartache and heartbreak and all of that, and so there might be those kinds of wars. And this is the part of the psalm where you pause and you reflect and you internalize, where is God in the midst of all that is breaking down and breaking apart? Verse 10 tells us where he is and what the posture we're called to is. Be still. That Hebrew phrase literally means this. Let go of your grip. Sometimes we can get so exhausted trying to fix things and and repair things and run things and control things. You just exhaust yourself trying to do that and especially when you go through stretches of life that are filled with a lot of eight and nine, bows breaking, spears shattering, shields burning, internal civil wars, external relational wars, or broader conflicts on global scales. When you get in the middle of all that, you can quickly exhaust yourself trying to enter in and fix things that the psalmist says, actually, here's the posture. Isn't it an amazing call? In the midst of all that's unraveling all around us or inside of us, here's the call. Be still. Let go of your grip and know that I am God. 
What God is he referring to? The ballast in our boat God, the God who's a refuge and strength, the God who's an ever-present help in trouble, the God who said, I'll be Emmanuel, I'll be with you, no matter what you go through. Mountains quaking, seas surging, earth giving way. That God, I'll be right there, I'll be with you. Be still and cling to me. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. So we let go of our grip and we recognize there is one who's going to sit enthroned over all this mess externally, internally. And he has a name that the Hebrew people gave him that they put together in such a way, Yahweh was the name, and they spelled it Y. H-W-H, and the reason they spelled it that way with no, no vowels is it magnified the sacredness of the name. God's name is so, has to have so much reverence attached to it that they, they put it in such a way that you can't pronounce it. So it, it, the removal of the vowels magnifies how it's just not the kind of name you should approach lightly. And even deeper than that, some Hebrew scholars believe that the name Yahweh with the vowels remove, is very close to the sound of a breath as we breathe. Do you know on an average day, we breathe 23,000 breaths? And isn't it amazing that God would orchestrate the language in such a way that he's the first word, the last word, and every word in between. And all we need to do is keep breathing. Be still. Breathe. Loosen your grip. Yahweh has it. We clearly know we don't have it in control and in our hands. And here's our posture, the closing line of the psalm. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The same refrain from verse seven echoed in verse 11. Yahweh, just breathe. 23,000 times today, you will say his name. And as we say it, we adopt the posture of verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. Church, that's Selah. And we pause. We reflect on what we've just read and heard. And then we say, Lord, what is it you want me to internalize? This is a rhythm of how we read in the scriptures. We don't just rush through verse after verse and how often I can do that, just rush from one verse to the next. This pause, Selah, reflect, internalize. I can't think of a better day of the year for us to have a Selah service than the last day of a calendar year. Look back over the landscape of 2017. 
with Psalm 46 as your lens. Pause, reflect. What is it God wants you to internalize from this past year? And then simultaneously pivot to a new year. Pause. Reflect. God, where are you taking me into this new year? This is the rhythm of Selah. To be a people who learn how to be still when everything around us may be screaming for us to move into action and activity, the, the posture of the psalmist say, hey, you're actually, the best action is the one that takes you out of the action. <laughs> be still. Breathe. Loosen your grip. Let me demonstrate that I am the ballast in your boat. I will be your refuge. I will be your strength. I will be your ever-present help. Most likely 2018 is going to be filled with plenty of all the other language of the psalm. The question is, will we be the kind of people in it that the psalmist describes? A Selah people. Let's commit to that this year together, huh? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these moments together to simply do what the psalmist has instructed us to do, to pause. And we just take these moments to reflect what has perhaps been one of the hardest years of our life or one of the most joyful or somewhere in between. We pause and we reflect now. We look back over 365 days we could have never imagined them being mapped out as they were. And would you, by your Holy Spirit, help us internalize now what it is you want us to internalize. And as we look now into a new year, give us your eyes to see Teach us what it means to be a people who have that Psalm 4610 posture to loosen our grip, to relinquish control, and simply breathe. Be still and know Yahweh. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.